Hey everyone, this is Adam Ellenboss from Nightlight Astrology, and today we're going to continue our series on tips for parenting the different signs of the zodiac. Uh, we're going to be looking at Taurus today and some tips for those of you who have Taurus children, which could also extend into the realm of Venus, children who have very strong Venus placements, though. You know, with the different signs of the planets, if Venus has two different signs, you'll notice some pretty big differences between, say, Taurus kids and Libra kids, or Aries kids and Scorpio kids. So some of this is broadly applicable for people with strong Venuses, but um, more appropriately, Taurians or people with stelliums in Taurus, maybe you've got a kid with a strong moon in Taurus. Uh, so we're going to be looking at five different tips that you can use to support the mindful parenting of Taurus children. And uh, my wife Ashley is going to be joining me today because she's a double Taurus and um, is also a great parent. And I decided that, um, yeah, like I, most of what I have to say comes from the stuff I watch my wife doing anyway. Like she's definitely the, the, the better parent, <laughs> I would say, between the two of us. She's just very wise. She's cancer rising too. So anyway, I thought I'd get her help today um, in looking at uh, tips for Taurus children. So she's going to be joining us in a minute. Before we get into it, as always, don't forget to like and subscribe. Share your comments. Let's make this a community effort here. You guys have Taurus kids or you once were a Taurus kid. You got a uh, kids with Taurus stelliums or whatever. What's worked? You know, what hasn't worked? We'd love to hear from you guys as well. You can find a transcript of today's talk on the website, nightlightastrology.com. I also want to point you over to the website right now because we're back in enrollment season. Year one program is starting in June. Uh, if you go to the courses page on the website, nightlightastrology.com, and scroll down, you'll see the first year course is coming up. We start on June 11th. You can scroll down and actually watch a uh, previous Q&A with some of the alumni from my program to hear what they have to say about being in the class. There's 30 classes on the year, 12 guest lectures outside of those 30 classes. Everything's recorded. You can attend live. You have the option. Everything is downloadable, keepable. You can go at your own pace participate live too. It's all good. We have breakout study and tutoring sessions. We have a tutoring staff that's there to help you with your questions and a Q&A forum year round. Lots of students end up forming really tight bonds and study groups outside of class. You can access me with questions throughout the year. We spend a lot of quality time looking at charts, meeting with live clients and doing readings, learning about the art of Hellenistic astrology. Scroll down to the bottom of the page. You'll notice the early bird payment saves you about $500 off on the course. You got a payment plan if you need it as well. And then also want to make sure that people are aware of the uh, need-based tuition option, which you can find in the bottom right-hand corner. Just click apply now. Tell us your situation. If you're on a fixed income, fixed budget, we know it's tight and different people have different means available to them. This is for all of you who really want to study astrology, maybe need a little bit of help making it accessible for your for your budget. Um, and so whether you're a single parent or you're on disability or you're only working part-time, whatever the case may be, if you need a little help, let us know. We'll be glad to work with you. If you have any questions about the need-based tuition option or the program itself, email us info at nightlightastrology.com. Hope to see some of you in class soon. Don't forget year two and horary also start in June for those of you who are a little bit more advanced and already finishing or halfway through the year one program. So all right. Well, on that note, I'm very glad to um, uh, bring my wife, Ashley, who is an herbalist and a yoga teacher and also, um, you know, a, a wonderful parent in, in my mind. But neither of us are parenting gurus, but um, we both have we're both learning as we go and have a lot of things to um, share, especially when it comes to observing the astrological traits of our kids and and of our own childhoods uh, growing up with different astrological signatures. So. Hey, thanks for being here, Ashley. Oh, so glad to be here. And yeah, I mean, I feel like 
the blessings of astrology are many fold. Like when you're raising kids, just to kind of know like what their birth chart is and to be able to say, okay, like, yeah, this is definitely her Sag son, or this is definitely her, you know, like just, it's so helpful to know that about your children. So then you can kind of reorient some of your strategies. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I think this is a great series and I'm sure lots of parents are going to find benefit from it. Right. And I want to reiterate just that, um, you know, neither of us consider ourselves to be parenting gurus. We're in no. the trenches, uh, <laughs> screwing up and learning as we go. So, I mean, neither of us love people who give lots of unsolicited advice and pose like they're the perfect parents and have every, their shit all together. You know, we are uh, a, a beautiful mess and um, probably you guys are out there in the mess too. And so if we can just provide a few insights or tips that help even just a little, that will be a win. Um, and it's also, I think one of the greatest things about astrology when it comes to parenting is you can just have some insight into behavioral patterns that a lot of people will look at and go, well, why, what are they, why are they doing that? Is it a problem? And when you understand it as an archetype, that's in the process of growing and blossoming, you understand that, that oh, that's just what that plant does as it's growing. It's not necessarily an abnormality or a problem. I mean, sometimes kids have real problems that need real help. But a lot of the times when it comes to parenting through the lens of astrology, it's not about fixing problems. It's about understanding behaviors and where they're coming from in the from the standpoint of an archetypal process that will unfold over the course of an entire lifetime. So on that from that standpoint, we have um, put together five parenting tips for Taurus children. Now, again, broadly speaking, that doesn't mean just Taurus sun kids. That means Taurus sun, Taurus moon, Taurus rising, maybe a stellium of a couple of planets in Taurus that you just notice as very strong or vibrant expressions in your child's character. And this could be kids that are really little all the way up to, you know, your grown kids that are off at college, you're trying to understand the choices they're making, you know, whatever. So um, should we dive in? Let's do it. All right. So the number one thing, and there's, it, it's really like Aries is, was really easy because, it, you know, sort of like at the core of Aries is, is this one word individuation. Taurus is a feminine sign, not easy to make the feminine signs so singular. The feminine signs usually have a variety of archetypal expressions that are being put together in a bouquet that will express itself over the course of a lifetime. So we have a variety for Taurus that are all part of the, the, the center or heart of Taurus, but there's not just one. Um, so when it comes to a Taurian lifetime, one of the things that we want, and I put we put everything in terms of support, not uh, curb this, don't let this happen, you know, everything just in, in terms of supporting. The first one is peaceful control. It is absolutely normal and fundamental for Taurus kids and Taurus adults to learn how to have a peaceful and healthy sense of regulation. That could be your own body, your mind, your behavior, your environment, your relationships. Another word might be stability. But in the, the other key word though is peaceful, smooth, easy, and controlled. Now, of course, there's gonna be a shadow to this, which might be the inability to change or the tendency to be possessive or really stubborn, or you might look at it sometimes and say, that's really controlling or something like that. But if you imagine looking at a bull or a cow and looking at the way that they walk so heavy, so dense, um, I was the other day, I was telling Ashley that like I've for a long time before I bulked up quite a bit over the past six months, I 
often slept with a, and I'm a Taurus rising, right? And I often slept with a weighted blanket because I was a very, very sensitive sleeper. And I noticed that having that weightiness on me, on my nervous system really helped me to sleep. I put on weight and all of a sudden I found that the natural weight of my body and the density of my body was enough. And I'm no longer really wanting or needing that, um, uh, that weighted blanket feeling uh, for my body. And I thought to myself, that's such a Taurus thing. And interesting that I, you know, Taurus and the eclipse is in the first house, that this has been a transformation of, of my Taurian physical nature. I think this is a metaphor, though, that's applicable for Taurians, whether you're a kid or, you know, an adult like me, that the weightier and heavier, but you notice a cow and, or a bull, there's also like a grace and a power and a beauty and a simplicity, but it's all there in a kind of weighty, stable look and feel. So it's very normal for Taurus kids to seek that in their environment, in their friendships, in the development of routines and habits. And as parents, whatever we can do to support that and like kind of like holding back from the feeling that there's something wrong with them because they're always seeking to have that control. If we understand that the where the impulse is coming from, peace, power, control, stability, and that there's nothing wrong with any of those things, even if we seek them sometimes in ways that are a little neurotic, if we understand that's the underlying impulse, then we can really support our kids. Yeah, yeah, and I, I'm just thinking back to my own childhood and you know, my mom's a Taurus. So, you know, I think for me, what was so helpful was that my mom would give me space, like when I would really be struggling with something. She, had a re she was really good at just holding that peaceful space for me, you know, not getting like, I would be emotional. I'd be struggling, trying to figure things out. She would just be very calmly present with me. And then, you know, and just let me do the processing in my own way. And, and I just, that was so helpful for me because, you know, she didn't try to fix it. She didn't try to shame it. Um, she just sort of, yeah, was, was steady and modeled for me. This is how you get control back. <laughs> You just wait, <laughs> you just stay, you're present and you wait. I think another thing for Taurus children or people that have a lot of Taurus energy is the power of nature and being outside. And I feel like one thing that, that was so helpful for me to self-regulate was to be in outdoor spaces and nature was very regulating for my nervous system. So if some drama was going on, and I'm thinking like when I was, you know, elementary, middle school, I, you know, my, my parents, I think they did this just to get me out of the house, but they'd like go outside, you know, I'd be outside until dinner. But that was the time where I learned a lot of self-regulation um, in a peaceful environment. I mean, we lived in a suburban, you know, middle-class suburban cul-de-sac, but, you know, there was enough nature and enough woods there um, and enough security to where it was like, you know, I could process a lot and, and come back to a really good center just because of that that external environment of having nature. And again, it was nothing fancy. It was just a yard, <laughs> but that was, that was enough. Right. And it, and it's like, you know, that's such a big part for so many Tauruses, you know, it sounds like a stereotype, but it's like, no, it's true. The natural world will be regulating and you'll see Tauruses are often nature lovers. There's something about um, being in nature and being present to the inherent sturdiness of nature and its patterns, even when they're, more, um, you know, ephemeral, or maybe when they're even more, uh, there's more changes or impermanence in nature. Um, you know, the Buddha was born, said to be born under the Taurus sun and, and Scorpio moon, I which is an interesting. I think he was born on my birthday. That's what I think. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would it would definitely like uh, I can validate that in terms of you being the the more of the Buddha parent compared to myself. <laughs> when my Aries planets don't take over, yes. Then yeah. I'm <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, another thing though is that I think like if your kid tends to be habitual, likes to control things, likes everything to be just so, gets overwhelmed when there's too much chaos or change, you know, stuff like that. There's nothing wrong with that if you understand the underlying impulse here is to be that cow, that heavy near the earth, beautiful, sunlit, you know, pasture. It's like create images in the psyche that you can use to understand the impulses and motivations guiding that behavior. And it'll really help you empathize and come up with creative ways of helping kids find that stability and that sense of peaceful regulation and control, which is a way of saying, I'm here, life is fertile and abundant and safe and enjoyable. And, and it's like, it, it, Taurus's need to have that, uh, that, that feeling. That's one of the main characteristics. Let's look at the second one on our list, which is support sensual empowerment. Now, I use this phrase, or I kind of constructed this carefully to try to embody a few things at once. Um, sometimes you'll find stereotypes saying that, well, Tauruses love money, or they love nice clothing, or they, and, you know, there's, so there's something that's maybe true about that in terms of there being a, you know, this is the sign of Venus, and this is the exaltation of the moon. So there's definitely a love for the imminent and the worldly, the material and the sensual. It's not a sign that privileges like tons of rational, um, you know, fixations. Uh, and so whether that's nature or the body or biology, I mean, some you'll find that oftentimes Tauruses are motivated to study earth sciences or, you know, so it's not like it's a dumb sign, but it's, it's usually a sign that is interested in organic life. And to remember that the interest or fascination in things like, you know, building things or making money or business or nice, th nice smelling or looking things, that this is also about one of the, the, you know, the greatest gifts that we have is to look at this earth like it's a garden that is here for us to enjoy, not to, uh, not to objectify, not to um, degrade, but to enjoy. And so, you know, like a Taurus kid or even kids with like really strong Venuses, sometimes it, we look, oh my God, how indulgent are they? They just want another bowl of chips or, or whatever, you know, whatever it is. But it's kind of like, well, how, how nice would it be to have less inhibitions around the desire to just enjoy this beautiful life in this beautiful earth? And so I think there's a, a very general sense in which we're always careful, especially growing up often in a more puritanical, cultural Christian background. Nothing's wrong with Christianity, of course, but just that inheritance culturally can say, you know, moderate, uh, limit, don't be too indulgent. It can, it can really be suspicious of the desire to take or receive pleasure. And so knowing that there's nothing wrong with that we might have to teach or model moderation or what's healthy versus an unhealthy form of indulgence. But how can we support the celebration of the senses and physical worldly pleasure? Yeah. And to add to that, I think food is such an important topic here because, you know, in, 
enjoyment of food, having a healthy relationship with food starts really young. And, you know, I think one thing we, we sometimes worry about quantity of food, but, but I think for tourists, it's really more about the quality. And so, you know, one great thing we can do for tourist kids is expose them to different types of food that are high quality. And I know for me growing up, um, you know, my father was in the restaurant industry. And so he was always cooking new foods or bringing home new things and, and introducing me to new tastes. And it was, you know, that was a very bonding experience for me and my dad. As you'd be like, try this pickled herring, you know, and I love pickled herrings because of my dad. And you try, you know, just just getting my senses and and celebrating the complexity and the diversity of tastes. Um, and I think that that's something that we can, re that Tauruses, I think, naturally are interested in and refining their sense of taste. So that can be a way that we can explore it without getting so, I think, hyper sensitive about, well, it's, it's, a, it's a quantity thing. Well, you know, maybe, but, but I think the Taurus is so in their body in that moment that if the, if the food is high quality, usually they'll get satiated much more quickly especially if it's higher in proteins and fats, you know, they'll experience, you know, a satiety so that, you know, as a parent, then you can be like, eat as many of those as you want. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, this is a good, this is a good thing to it, to be able to really enjoy and, and yeah, have yeah, absolutely. With. Yeah. And it, it makes me think as well that like, for example, um, it's not abnormal for, um, let's say it's a, it's kind of, a, um, you know, it's the kind of stereotypical girl who wants to get into makeup, you know, girl who's getting into fashion or whatever. And sometimes, you know, you'll want to, well, let's make sure that they're not getting into superficial, you know, being superficial or vain, or let's make sure that they're not going to, um, you know, think that their body is all that matters. And that, you know, like all the things that you might worry about if a young Taurus girl was getting into, um, you know, the, it's like Madonna, you know, we're, we're living in a material world and I'm a material girl, but that's a Taurus thing. And it's like, it's, it's okay. How can we model a healthy way of doing that? For example, one thing that would be like super, I could imagine this being super good for like a Taurus teenager. And you're worried, like, is she becoming a little superficial or something? I don't want her to only care about makeup and clothing. Let's just say it was that way. Cause I've, I've seen this play out lots with parents who have Taurus girls. You could easily you know, take that, take that, uh, girl to a class on how to do really like nice classy makeup, you know, like have, have get get her a teacher that can demonstrate for her classiness. And so that, that you, ref, you, in other words, it's better to refine the interest in material things than to try to prohibit it. Mm -hmm. How do you refine it? How do you shape it so that there's a sense of it being moderate? I mean, one of the great myths of, Taurus is going to be that uh, Liz Green always talked about was of King Minos and the Minotaur. And there's this whole subplot in that story that has to do with, you know, um, when our desire for wealth or gold or nice things uh, gets to be superficial or, or vain or greedy or lusty or possessive, it creates the Minotaur. And so you're going to notice with Tauruses sometime around that central empowerment, the worry about a Minotaur coming out, you know, mm -hmm. and in ourselves, like I'm sure, you know, a Ashley's dealt with things like that throughout her life. I have as a Taurus rising, you, you're like, well, I don't, you know, my, my Taurus desire for chocolate or, you know, in my case, like mostly more like fatty foods that are not so healthy for you after a certain point. 
that I'm like, well, I better not do any of it because it's just the slippery slope and it leads, <laughs> leads me into the Minotaur, you know? And I think we need to model um, what it looks like to, uh, you know, you don't, because the other thing about the King Minos myth is that the Minotaur gets relegated into the labyrinth in the basement of the castle. Like, so you don't, you can't just stuff the Minotaur away. You have to deal with it. So with a Taurus, it's like, yeah, some, you don't want to say no chocolate, right? But you also don't want too much chocolate. So that sense of the middle path, which is also, again, why the reference to the Buddha in this, the season of Taurus has always made so much sense to me, where there's a sense of needing to, uh, you know, have the right relationship with sensual empowerment. Well, number three on our list, I'll keep going. <clears throat> support incremental changes. This is one a good the, one. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that's hard is that when a tourist finds something they like or that works or that is peaceful and familiar, let's just stay with it forever. You know? <laughs> <laughs> or I, or the, the opposite, which is um, I don't want to take a step next. I don't, you know, that next step looks too big. You know, I'm just going to, yeah, I'm just going to stay over here. <laughs> yeah. So the, the thing that I, I, the phrase I came up with was su support incremental changes, which means Tauruses need to know that they are adaptable and that sense of security and peaceful power can be, it can adapt. It's because it's a quality of consciousness that can't happen for a Taurus if they get too fixated on the literal routines and material circumstances being the things that are believed to be the agents of peace, power, and control. So in order to understand, oh, it's in my consciousness, and that may not mean that they're the world's biggest daredevils and risk takers and just the kind of person who's running off the diving board doing a backflip all the time. I mean, you know, so everyone's different, but Tauruses will do really well if gently encouraged to make incremental changes thinking again of like i use this phrase with aries but leading the bull to water you can't do that by yanking on the bull it'll just sit down so how do you guide tauruses to be adaptable as a skill that they may need to develop that's not always there you you know really gradual slow changes and being patient with those things i mean i will tell you that both ashley and i as a taurus rising and double taurus I would say that in our marriage, in terms of like where you're hoping your partner will go so that there's greater compatibility between the two of you, we have both had to be very patient while the other has made incremental changes. And, but if with the Taurus, it's like, they're very capable of making changes. They're, that, that whole thing that they're just stubborn and they won't change. That's not true. It's just the changes are usually incremental and slow. And so you have to know that as a parent and also be willing to gently encourage. Don't let, don't get stubborn and fixed or give up and get exhausted because they're slow to change. In other words, be very patient and take, be, you know, big thumbs up, a lot of celebration for those incremental changes, a lot of positive reinforcement for them. Absolutely. I think that that positive encouragement for the small things really goes a long way with Tauruses. I think they really, you know, they, they're like, they'll do a small change. And they'll be like, did anyone notice, you know, am I going to get like, because they like that attention too, to, to, for someone to say, I see you, you did, you just did something brave uh, because they are, they do tend to be a little bit more kind of hanging back and, and slower to, to step forward. So I think that encouragement is absolutely right. And 
to not have, you know, whereas especially I think for maybe parents that have a lot of fire where like change is pretty or air that was a change is pretty easy. Um, it's not really as easy, you know, it's possible for the Taurus, but, but tor it, it's not as easy. It actually takes more effort to make, to make those changes. And so, uh, you know, that, but, but it is, it, it certainly is possible. So it's almost like as a parent, I feel like if you can, if you can kind of think about how you would do something and then add 20 more steps for your Taurus child, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, that's kind of a good kind of frame of reference, uh, for, for helping them get there. Yeah. And I think that um, it's also important to make sure that you are, you know, not letting the kids settle into routines that they, that they like, but that are not allowing them to grow. And so that's why when I say support incremental change, I mean, you know, okay, you want to do the exact same thing, you know, with your free time, but um, we want you to play outside tonight or, you know, we're going to, no screen time, or there's going to be something, some different way. And I find that when, you know, again, like sometimes I think as parents, it's easy to almost give up because of the, the stubbornness. And this is sort of true for a lot of fixed signs in general, but you know, it's easy to be like, well, this works and I don't, it's not worth the struggle to, you know? And so then you kind of cave in. And I think, um, a lot of that comes sometimes from trying to create too too many changes or changes that are too big too quickly and getting a lot of um, resistance. And so then you say, well, it's not worth it. You let them settle into patterns. It, we're not helping them grow. But a lot of that may be just about adjusting expectations and going more incremental in how we ask our kids to adapt and change. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just, just one more thing to add too is, you know, the power of role of modeling that those changes, you know, and, and speaking it out loud for kids, like, you know, sometimes I'll say with my girls, you know, oh, I really didn't want to wake up extra early to meditate, or I really didn't want to, you know, it was really hard for me to do this thing, but you know what? I did it. I feel a lot better. So even just kind of out loud, you know, I, I, this is one thing that it's so interesting is for most of us, when we grow up, it's like we don't hear our parents sort of talk through their mental processes. It's just sort of a mystery. Like, how did they get from here to there? So kind of just for the Taurus child, just saying, you know, well, I was thinking about doing this, but then you know what? I changed my mind. I decided I didn't actually really feel like doing that. So I decided I'm going to do this. So um, I'm going to be over here doing this now. And like speaking that out loud so they can say in their mind, oh, she just changed her mind about that. Or she just did something different that was hard. And then, you know, and you're basically you're planting that seed that maybe they can see themselves doing that too. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, if you think about, and I, I mean, I'd, I'd love to hear, um, maybe you could just share a story or something like as a double Taurus, what have, what, what's like one really hard life change or transition that you've had to make and what made it hard and how did you handle it? Oh my gosh. I'm like constantly <laughs> trying to be like, okay like areas of improvement. I mean, I think for me, like you said, it's, it's consciousness. It's like consciousness around patterns. So I think for me, a big one has been sleep, like having this fixed idea that I need this much sleep in order to be an okay person or like to function. And for me, it's been this, this slow incremental change of being like, I got seven and a half hours. And you know what? 
I'm okay. It actually didn't make that much of a difference. My world didn't fall apart or like I only got five hours. And like, can I make that mental jump to say I can still be okay? And like bedtime and waking time, it used to be so rigid for me. Like I felt like I had to go to bed at this time. I had to wake up at this time, <laughs> as you well know. But now I feel like because, it, and it took a long time of me just noticing noticing things and being able to say, actually, I was okay with this. I was okay with this amount of sleep and I can be less rigid around numbers and amounts and all of this and actually get more into how do I feel? Yeah. And it, you know, I, I can feel different ways on different days. And that's actually more important than the number and the, and the formula. So important. It's like a little bit of water in the Taurus, you know, in, in the, in the, uh, what is it like a, if it's like a, a, a bucket and it's filled with, you know, impressionable soil, but it's going to get, it's going to get dried out if you don't add a little bit of water to it here and there. And I think that water is asking the question, how do you feel? How do we create a feeling of stability, peace, peaceful control? Um, because I think, you know, it's easier for an earth sign to measure those things that they're looking for in terms of externals and there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever but sometimes the master key is to say your emotions can also be regulated with some conscious control and when you add that in that may create some flexibility within the externals and how you work with them um, that's a that's a, such a wonderful thought that we can I think hopefully people can use with their kids a little bit too and talking out loud about how to look at feelings and environmental factors together and using that intelligence to to manipulate things so that you feel good and are happy with what's going on. Um, well, the next one is support comfort with and I put chaos slash dancing with the bull, which is a <laughs> phrase that Liz Green uses. But I think what this is, we've gotten to this and we've said this in other ways already. We've sort of, um, you know, uh, spilled over into this topic already. But the thing is, is that like, for example, many Taurus children won't love chaotic groups, like groups of people where like lots of things are going on and it's more, it's less predictable. Um, whereas, you know, you might find a kid, a Taurus kid doing well on a sports team where there's a regimented practice and there's a lot of set expectations about how things will go with the rules of a game. So it's not that Taurus kids can't like run around and do stuff. It's just that you have to look for what kind of environments feature like known quantities and qualities and, um, and where expectations are sort of laid out. But that also means that we need to support Taurus kids and, um, and our, obviously ourselves too, when it comes to going into spaces that are less known, that are more chaotic. Um, we need to be able, for example, to, dance with the desire body and a lesson that Tauruses often learn is there's a minotaur right and the minotaur is devouring and often leads to chaos and self-destruction if you shop too much you get a huge credit card bill and it can tank your life if you eat too much you know you can have health problems if you have um, if you let your sexual desires get out of whack, you can have real relationship issues, all sorts of stuff that can happen. Or if you repress them, you can too. But usually for Tauruses, we're talking about the moderation, right? Um, so one of the things that is there is like, how do I dance with the desire body, with the sensual, uh, with the things that I want to indulge in? Um, and also, how do I 
how do I find some flexibility within more chaotic spaces? Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's really tricky to, to almost like, you know, where are you going to notice that in an eight-year-old? Do you know what I mean? I would say, for example, you might notice it in terms of where they feel really afraid to participate socially and where they feel really comfortable. Helping them to get a little bit more comfortable with what they're afraid of socially would be, you know, a, like a good form of Taurus support, as opposed to just saying, well, I don't want to push them to do anything because, as you know, if you try to push a Taurus, it doesn't really work. But rather than saying, well, it just won't work, so I won't do it, again, maybe some incremental change. How do I get them a little bit more comfortable in spaces that they that there is less controlled for them. Um, so those are those are thoughts. Again, we've already sort of covered some of these, but that's another way of looking at it. And and one idea that came into my mind too is just you know group activities can be really helpful here. You know if you have a lot of Taurus energy with maybe some Aries, you know sports teams because there's chaos there, but then there's also organization and they can get comfortable with routines or playing an instrument in a in an orchestra like or in a band. Um, or taking a fashion class, you know, whatever it might be, but some sort of organized group activity where there might be some discomfort because they're not, you know, leading it and controlling it. But then, you know, they, they might be able to then find, yeah, find their own comfort within that sort of moving um, entity or moving yeah. group. Yeah, totally. I also think like, you know, um, when I, I think, for example, about Taurus kids and diet, um, for, for example, and we, I've seen many parents with kids who have Taurus placements that have um, struggle with regulating diet and self-image issues. Um, it is normal for your body weight to fluctuate with salt, with sleep, with water, with, um, you know, to lose some pounds, to gain some pounds, whatever. Especially, I would say, like in the teenage years, supporting the fact that your body changes and that, you know, like it's okay to... You don't, in other words, there's a tendency sometimes with the earth signs, but I'd say specifically Virgo and Taurus to maybe be a little bit prone to feeling like if I'm not really in control of my diet, especially when it comes to self-image, beauty, the body, et cetera, um, that um, everything's going to go off the rails and I'm not going to look beautiful or something like that. Um, and I think that, you know, we need to be able to say to our kids, like it's normal for the body, the diets, the, you know, and our, our appetites. And so to fluctuate a lot and how do we promote an overall lifestyle of health without being too rigid and controlled? Yeah. And I, you know, the food thing and the regulation thing is so important. And so, you know, in, in, in my life, it was really the practice of yoga in my late teens that helped me to just get in my body and be aware of it because I struggled with a lot of several different types of eating disorders and, you know, on and off. And I think for me, the main thing was that I didn't understand my body. I didn't like look at my body as something that was useful to me. It was just more of this thing that existed for others. You know, it was like a, a something of beauty or something that others saw. And, and I, I think for, especially for teenage girls, um, because I've taught a lot of yoga and done body image work with teens, teen girls, is just getting a sense of, of ownership of your body, but also like sovereignty and like just being able to, for a young girl, especially, and, and I think for young, young men too, just feeling the, 
the power that they have within their body and their ability to feel their body and sense their body and their body being something that is for them that they get to move and use. So sports are good, but I just, for me, yoga was really what turned the volume of that self-critic down to the mm. point where I, I was able to work through some pretty severe eating disorders um, because I started to just see how what a miracle my body was. And it had energy systems and it was like, I could stretch it, I could move it. It, it could do all of these things for me. And uh, that that shift in, in consciousness was was really huge. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, we haven't said a ton about Taurus boys, and that's not, um, that's not intentional. But I think like, just to say a few things about Taurus boys, you know, the, the Taurus, a Taurus boy, or, you know, and it really, this goes for however people uh, orient or identify. But, um, you know, Taurus boys, I think that, like, as a Taurus rising growing up, um, one of the things that was really important for me was having, you know, there's there, the feeling of peaceful power looks different for a, a boy. Like, I think it, it will often translate into feeling strong, healthy, vibrant, and attractive. Um, and to do that, you know, there's a thing that, that for at least I've seen this with a lot of Taurus boys, you have to put in some effort. <laughs> and like, I was just like, so content. I was such a content, like sit on, sit, on the couch with my guitar and sing, you know, and I was, I loved art and stuff like that, but also like, you know, you have to put some effort in. There's a weird way in which peace and the, the feeling of being sort of tranquil, you know, powerful, um, beautiful, controlled, happy, that, that there's a lot of work that goes into that too. Like if you look at a bull, like it is a powerful animal with big muscles and it's, there's a sense of um, like, the, you know, bulls were slaughtered as ways of ensuring that fertility would happen, that armies would be powerful, stuff like that. So I think for Taurus boys, it's like, you know, the, the Taurus boy, for example, might tend toward being a little bit more lethargic and sometimes needs the encouragement to put in the effort um, because peace and uh, that, that, feeling of, of power and peacefulness um, requires a lot of sacrifice and, and work. Sacrifice is a key word associated with the bull for thousands of years, right? So think about that a little bit. I think the other thing for Taurus boys that comes to my mind is that Taurus boys may have a harder time expressing their interest in feminine things like the arts, poetry, a more of a romantic sensibility. And sometimes that comes through in terms of just like the physique or the body or something like that, or toward, they may dress nice or something, or they like nice cars, beautiful looking cars or something. They might be good at decorating their room or something, but sometimes it's a little bit more repressed than that. I mean, for me, you know, playing the guitar was something I got teased about by some of the guys that I was friends with who were into sports. They thought that that was sort of like girly, you know, um, or drama and the theater club or the singing in the choir or, you know, so sometimes I think it's for Taurus boys. It's also in supporting the interest in the arts or Venusian things yeah. or lunar things, which are all Taurian and recognizing that it's not as easy in this world to feel happy, peaceful and, and powerful in your essence as a boy, if those things are also very valuable to you. Well, last one on our list is support the romantic however it may appear. I want to say something that's really interesting, which is that sometimes we think of romantic as, um, you know, purely in terms of love and relationships. 
um, which is one way that that romance can appear. But romance is a way of looking at the, the romantic quality is a way of looking at the world. It's nostalgic. It has a, a sentimentality to it. It is emotional. It demonstrates the quality of longing. Um, it has uh, a sense of things being, you know, like eternally beautiful and valuable. There's a almost like a spiritual quality to it. That could appear for some Taurus kids in terms of their love for country music, in terms of their love for cowboy boots and hanging out with, you know, at the rodeo. There's not one way in which the romantic appears. For some Taurians, it'll be antique stores. For some Taurians, it'll be, you know, the desire to have a Lamborghini. And for some Taurians, it's going to be an interest in the, the pageantry of old Civil War uniforms. It can just, it's just important to remember that Taurians are nostalgic and romantic, but in ways that are very much more diverse than you would think. Like romantic does not just mean uh, a, a fixation on things that are, you know, emotional and um, romantic relationally. And, and so just know, like I've seen a ton of Tauruses out there. And sometimes you'll think that the Taurus is like, like you don't think when you look at say, I don't know, a, a guy who is in, uh, in love with um, model airplanes, you know, you don't think that guy is romantic, but if it's a Taurus and they have a collection of model airplanes that they've carefully put together and painted with their, you know, little brushes and stuff like that, that's romance. And so just know that Tauruses need to fill their lives with things. Often those things, they have a deep romantic connection to them. So just know that like if your kid, if they start getting really into anime or Pokemon or something and they start collecting things or whatever, just understand that for Tauruses, it's not just the accumulation of stuff. There's usually a deep romantic sentimental connection to whatever it is they're into. And it does not always appear romantic, especially because again, you may think that uh, how many people, like, if you were to tell me, that, uh, you know, country music, which I'm not so into, is like this world's sensible, romantic, blah, blah, blah. I'd be like, oh, no. I mean, like, for me, it's, it's um, you know, it's like indie rock or, you know, it's whatever. It's And that's what's like cultured. And that's like my romantic sensibility. But, you know, I remember when I lived out in the, I lived out in the country in rural Michigan when I was going to graduate school and most of the people I hung around with were into like line dancing and um, rodeos and like all stuff like that. And I, I had not been exposed to any of that. But what I found over and over again, and a number of those getting into astrology, a number of the men I met who were like total cowboys were Tauruses and they were really romantics at heart. So I never mm -hmm. forgot that. Yeah. And, and on that, on that note too, uh, the Tauruses will remember all those little figurines. So if you clean up and you accidentally vacuum up, you know, <laughs> figure number 1200, that Taurus is going to be like, mom, where's my figure with the rainbow pants and like the little orange dot on his shirt. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, you know, you have to be careful with that too, because their, their memory and their attachment to those things are, are quite strong. It's an earth sign. So it can be deceptive. It's like, you know, like, you know, for example, like, you know, Ashley has plants everywhere, right? Like she couldn't. Yeah. And some person, some people might go like, oh, well, she's a double Taurus. So of course she likes plants or whatever. And I'm like, mm, yeah, she likes plants, but it's not just the plants, right? It's the plants plus the little antique wooden shelves. You know, it's, it's like the, so often the earth signs, their romance gets disguised in things that just look like 
like material possessions, but you, you have to look a little deeper to understand that there's like this, this very deep level of imaginative, imaginative, um, you know, romantic qualities imbued in what they surround themselves with. So if you want to get to know a Taurus, try to understand what their imagination wants their world to be surrounded with. And, and for children, you know, I mean, because the, the imagination, that sort of nostalgic imagination is so strong for the Taurus, you know, don't like make them feel bad about their dreams. Because I think for Tauruses, at least for myself, you know, some of these dreams that I have of like, you know, a farm in the country with goats and chickens and, you know, like a, a, a bathtub out in the lawn, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know if I actually want them, but I love my dream of that. Like my dream of that is actually more important than having it. I'm, I'm discovering as I'm becoming an adult, it's like that dream for me is, it's a thing. It's an actual thing that I go to and that I enjoy. So for children that have visions, ideas, dreams, fantasies, you know, don't get so worried that they might, it's kind of like with the, the Aries video. It's like, you know, for the Aries kid, don't be so worried that they're going to do the skydiving. You know, for the Taurus, don't be so afraid that they're going to open, you know, a, a pizza franchise and serve the world's best pizza all over, you know, it might just, the fantasy might actually be the thing that they're holding on to and that, that they're taking such pleasure in. That's right. And the other thing that goes with that is, you know, with that romantic, imaginative, sort of idealistic quality, um, you know, the Taurus kids will often um, have things that they want. And if we can honor that, like you don't want to just say, well, material things aren't important, that you don't say that to a Taurus, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but at the same time, if you can help them understand, let's look, let's, let's look at what's behind that thing that you want. What is the feeling that it brings up? Um, you know, for example, I talked to a Jungian therapist as a Taurus rising, I'll often say, this is this thing that I want, I can't have it or something. And my therapist will say, well, let's talk about the feeling associated with that thing you want, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's a good move. And then like, as, as parents, we can do the same because some things that Tauruses want will be unrealistic. There'll be unrealistic expectations and they get fixated on those and then really stubborn and um, like upset and even angry when they can't get something that they want. But if we can try to shift from what do I want to what is the feeling behind what I want and how can we get closer to that feeling with what we have available? I think Tauruses are more flexible than you think. Absolutely. Well, I think we did a pretty good job. I'm so happy that Ashley came on to help me today. Um, really, my my totally my better half was, was with parenting. So, um, yeah, everything that I have to say that is, resembles any kind of wisdom is usually coming from what I've seen her do or teach me to do as a parent. So. Oh, you're so sweet. And you are an amazing father. So I, I want you definitely deserve credit there too, because you were so good with the girls. And yeah, I mean, you've worked with so many clients and seen so many people with kids and have supported them. So you, you have a lot of experience there. And yeah, I think this is, this is a really fun series. I think I can really see the value of it. And um, yeah, hopefully a few of these things are, are helpful. Yeah. Um, again, like it's not as straightforward as the, the masculine signs typically are a little bit easier to reduce into a single pointed focus. Um, the feminine signs usually, again, it's more like a bouquet of um, different qualities that are trying to express themselves. Um, uh, so 
today, hopefully we've gotten to some of the heart of Taurus and even just going through these things to help you see these things that your child is wanting uh, to actualize in their lives. And just knowing that like, it's a process and it's not going to be easy for them to figure it out, let alone for you to support them in that. And so if nothing else, we, uh, we hope this empowers you to feel a little bit more sane. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's it for today. Thank you guys so much for watching. Don't forget to like and subscribe before you go. Share us, share with us some of your own comments and reflections as a parent of Taurus children or as someone who is a Taurus or has any wisdom to share at all about this subject. We'd love to hear from you. You can find a transcript of today's talk on the website, nightlightastrology.com. Hope you guys have a great day and we will see you again tomorrow. Bye, everyone.